Hello and welcome to World Travel Essential, brought to you by SBM Monte Carlo. Reinventing Monaco in a new chapter for the 21st century. I'm Richard Barnes. This week, a new white paper underlines the growing importance of wellness as a tourism drawcard. Americans are reported to be ready and raring to travel again. When you can't travel, you can now be teleported into a robot and visit various sites. Rapid COVID testing is being trialled at Heathrow. In hospitality news, a Chinese ballet star becomes a brand ambassador for the luxury collection. In our special feature, we talk to Duncan O'Rourke, CEO of Accor Group for Northern Europe, and also to Vito Molika, director of F&B for Four Seasons Florence. And luxury travel guru Mary Gostolo catches up with Neil Jacobs of Six Senses. But first, to the essentials. According to a new white paper published by Raffles, well-being and all it encompasses have become now more than ever an essential part of the overall travel experience. The new study shows wellness is moving from megatrend to leading expectation as consumers worldwide seek to advance their health, mindfulness and peace of mind. With societal habits shifting and wellness taking on new and farther-reaching meaning in response to the global pandemic, the desire and need for wellness and its positive effects cannot be understated. Serenity, harmony, relaxation, recovery and pleasure are the pursuits of well-being that refuel and rejuvenate luxury travellers globally. They're also the touchstones for wellness at Raffles Hotels and Resorts and the inspiration for the brand's white paper, entitled Answering the Desire for Wellness in Luxury Travel. The area of wellness has grown from grassroots movement to core framework and is now considered an essential practice that promises longevity, physical and mental health, and social well-being. According to a recent report by the Wellness Tourism Association, 44% of travellers are looking to the wellness segment for their next trip once they return to travelling. An overwhelming majority of US and Canadian travellers 99% to be exact, are eager to travel again, with 70% stating that they plan to take a holiday in 2021, according to a travel leader's group survey of nearly 3,000 frequent travellers. The survey was conducted in September in conjunction with the World Travel and Tourism Council. Results indicate that 45% of respondents have already made plans or are starting to make finite plans for their next holiday while 54% say they're dreaming of when they can travel again. Well, travellers can now explore faraway destinations in real time, through the eyes of a robot using their smartphone or computer. UK technology startup PropelMe has announced the public beta release of Chalau, a first-of-its-kind robot-powered virtual travel platform. Using Chalau, travellers can choose from a range of destinations called portals to decide where they want to teleport to. They then experience the live sights and sounds that the robot is seeing and hearing at the portal's physical location. A digital on-screen joystick lets travellers guide the robot's movements through their smartphone or computer with a full-screen view from the robot's main and secondary cameras. People around the robot can also see and hear the beamed-in remote travellers. And using the remote's microphone and speakers, remote travellers 
can speak to locals should they wish. In air transport news, Collinson and Swissport have announced the launch of pre-departure rapid testing facilities at Heathrow Airport. The industry-leading testing facilities, a UK first, are a critical step in the sector's recovery, restoring traveller confidence and reopening routes from the UK to the rest of the world. Launched on Tuesday the 20th of October, the facilities, located in Terminals 2 and 5, offer passengers travelling to Hong Kong and Italy the option to fulfil those countries' pre-departure testing requirements at the airport before they fly. These countries currently require passengers to provide evidence of a negative COVID test prior to departure, but allow for testing technologies that can deliver fast results. These tests, including lab and antigen tests, can easily be administered pre-flight at the airport. Travel industry executives, meantime, met at London Heathrow as part of a transatlantic trial of Common Pass, a digital health pass aimed at enabling safer travel and the reopening of international borders. Officials from Internova Travel Group, the World Travel and Tourism Council, the Commons Project Foundation and the World Economic Forum gathered at Heathrow after the completion of the first phase of the transatlantic trial. Volunteers used the Common Pass Health Pass on their mobile phone to document their certified COVID-19 status. A limited trans-Tasman travel bubble has opened with the first flight from New Zealand touching down in Australia last week. Passengers on the first commercial flight between the two countries in seven months arrived at Sydney International Airport. The International Air Transport Association welcomed the recent overflight agreement between the Kingdom of Jordan and the State of Israel that now allows for flights to cross over both countries' airspace. The agreement paves the way for commercial airlines to be able to fly through the Israel-Jordan corridor, which will shorten flight times, reducing fuel burn and CO2 emissions. The WTTC has welcomed the opening of air corridors between the UK and the Canary Islands, the Greek island of Mykonos and the Maldives, saying it's great news for British holidaymakers and a boost for the hard-pressed travel and tourism sector. After a hiatus of more than 15 years, Barbados is once again serviced by British Airways from London Heathrow with a year-round direct daily service which commenced October 17. For more than 15 years, Barbados had been dogging British Airways on the re-establishment of London Heathrow as the gateway to Barbados, following the retirement of its Concorde service. In hospitality industry news, the luxury collection hotels and resorts, part of Marriott International, have announced the appointment of Chinese ballet star Tan Yuan Yuan as the brand's newest global explorer. Tan has spent years travelling the world as a multi-award-winning principal dancer with the prestigious San Francisco Ballet Company. Icor Group and BNP Paribas have become strategic partners, launching a co-branded payment card in Europe. The card will be linked to the group's loyalty program, All Accor Live Limitless, and will be available in several versions. It will offer members the opportunity to collect loyalty points when making everyday purchases and to receive benefits tailored to their interests. Caesars Entertainment has announced plans to resume operations at the Cromwell, the first standalone adults-only boutique hotel on the Strip, on October 29th. The hotel and gaming floor will be open seven days a week for guests 21 and over. 
Meanwhile, also in Vegas, after 16 years of notable success with the Mesa Grill at Caesars Palace, award-winning chef Bobby Flay plans to introduce a new restaurant concept, Amalfi by Bobby Flay, following final service on Saturday, November 14. Inspired by Flay's extensive travels to Italy and the Amalfi Coast, this will be his first Italian restaurant concept. With an anticipated late spring 2021 opening, Amalfi will transport guests to the Mediterranean with its enchanting blend of coastal ease and fresh, bright flavors. Well, now it's time for our special feature section. And this week, Mary Gostolo spoke to two very different special guests, Duncan O'Rourke, CEO of a core group for Northern Europe, and Vito Molica, Director of Food and Beverage for Four Seasons Florence. Firstly, Mary asked Duncan O'Rourke how luxury accommodation is evolving in the CIS states to the reaches of Eastern Russia. We have lots of luxury hotels in, 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 in Russia itself, in Moscow, St. Petersburg, we signed the show. In St. Petersburg, we've, we're close to finalizing Raffles and Fairmont hotels in both the capital of Russia, but further out as well, Mary, in Baku, we have the very famous, uh, the flamed uh, uh, buildings of the Fairmont Hotel, and we continue to look and see uh, the huge potential that we can uh, we can grow further and further out there. Obviously, our core is very traditional and well-placed in luxury in traditional Europe, but we think there's a huge opportunity to, to grow uh, into those regions, as you mentioned, and, and, and have Savoy's like we have in London, Montreux Palaces like in Montreux, uh, and, and new projects, exciting projects like the Raffles Old War Office in London. So whilst we grow in the traditional areas, we feel that there's a huge opportunity, exactly where you say, further towards the east in Russia. I'm terrifically excited about putting more luxury into Russia. Tell us more about uh, Raffles and Sofitel So going into St. Petersburg and Moscow. We have the show in St. Petersburg, that was a takeover, uh, and it's doing extremely well. Uh, we obviously have the, the, the Swiss Hotel, which was an iconic hotel in, in Moscow, which is uh, very, very important and dear to the group. And we are, like I said, mentioning, looking at signing a Raffles in uh, St. Petersburg, a Fairmont in Moscow, a Raffles in, in Moscow. What we've seen, Mary, is that, uh, especially during this pandemic, the local business is really, really on the upside. So the, the international load of travel is not so much, but the local business is really uh, going in. So that will help us in two folds. First of all, we're picking up uh, uh, the local business. Uh, just for example, Sochi, where we have Swiss hotels and, and, and Sofitels, and that, is doing extremely well despite the pandemic. Uh, uh, and so we feel there's a huge opportunity to push and grow those brands, and I hope to announce the signings very soon. In fact, Sochi apparently is getting higher rates right now than it was even during the Winter Olympics. It has never been busier. Now, Savoy, I'd love to know your thoughts on taking Savoy to Russia. The recent television series on the Savoy, which have, have been appearing on 
UK television went up to three million viewers each week. The image of the Savoy, the brand of the Savoy, and are, are you thinking of taking that to areas of the world where there are many consumers who like a brand, who like that brand, and look to Accor to be able to provide it? Look, the Savoy is an iconic hotel, uh, uh, very, very uh, iconic hotel, but it's a Fairmont, and and uh, the Fairmont brand is 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 what we what we will continue to grow and push. And the Fairmont has these iconic hotels, such as the Savoy, such as you know, well, Mary, the Fiyaga site in Hamburg, extremely iconic, successful hotels under the umbrella of Fairmont. And so we feel that we can use and leverage these countdown hotels leverage them and drive them forward uh, into new destinations. And so you won't see the Fairyazai coming out or the, or the Savoy, but that DNA under the umbrella of, of uh, Fairmont will definitely be uh, prevalent. Thank you so much, Duncan. Looking forward to many more luxury hotels coming from Accor under your rule in Northern Europe. Thank you, Duncan O'Rourke. In a recent visit to the Four Seasons in Florence, Mary Gostolo noted that Italian cuisine seems to be changing somewhat over time. The hotel's Michelin-star restaurant has now introduced a seven-course degustation menu. Mary asked Vito Morica, head of F&B for the hotel, to explain. Yeah, we, when we reopen after the lockdown, we decided to do also a seven-course menu before we used to do the five-course menu. We don't have a long degustation, like 15, 20 courses. And we realized that people who are coming to our restaurant for the experience, they pick the degustation menu, five or seven courses. And the majority of them is the new generation from 25 to 40 years old. And also because maybe they are celebrating something or maybe they are having a destination night uh, to go to the restaurant. Of course, people are in a business or people are traveling for many days, they eat a la carte. But people are coming for specific night they're having our degustation. What does it mean that? They are trust the chef or more, even more than trust, they want to know more the chef through their, his food. People are really interested in where products have come from. Do they care how far the products have come? In other words, do they want foods that have traveled only 20 kilometers rather than 2,000 kilometers? You know, I think uh, in Italy there was a philosophy of uh, zero kilometers. Mm. But the zero kilometers, it happened to every country, to every region. So if I'm going to have a special red prawns from Marzara del Vallo, which is in Sicily, I cannot have zero kilometers in Tuscany. I have to search that red prawns because according to us, it's the best red prawns and it's coming from Sicily. The same is for the scampi. But of course, vegetable, meat, which is all local, I have to get the best supplier and the best producer. But sometimes I have to also travel a little bit and get something more from North Italy, Central Italy or South Italy. 
people around the world look at Italian food because it is healthy and good and it tastes great. How concerned are the Italians on healthy eating? Uh, we have avocado on your breakfast menu now, which was definitely not on the breakfast menu when the hotel opened. Are you seeing a lot of vegetarians, a lot of vegans? I see that many people are taking care of what they eat. I also personally think that have good meals means take care of the, your own health. So focus on what you are eating in making you feeling good. And as a chef, especially as a chef in a luxury business, have to take care and make sure that our proposal make the travelers uh, find something that they wish to have. You were talking about the avocado. Avocado is a, a pure trend of healthy food, but also juices, also raw vegetables or raw food is healthy food. So in our proposal, in our degustation menu, in our menu, we have to be able to get some special ingredient that we can transform our technique according to what the guest wish to have. And according to what the guest follow as a credo, which is it translated means the belief of their own life. In other words, people who come here to Four Seasons Florence are going to feel even better about themselves for having been here. Vito, thanks so much Grazie for your time. Mary. In the third section of today's World Travel Essential, in her Girl Ahead podcast, Mary Gostado's special guest is Neil Jacobs, CEO of Six Senses. My guest this week is Neil Jacobs, who runs Six Senses, and he very cleverly is making sure that this health, wellness, and just right for today brand is also growing from its country and rural roots, from its resort concept into city centers. He will share a lot of things. Over to you, Neil. I'm talking to Neil Jacobs, CEO of Six Senses, the amazing company that has brought wellness into luxury and has made us all think differently. Neil, what attracted you to Six Senses? Well, Mary, it's a great question. In having known about Six Senses for all the years, I was I was running Four Seasons in Asia and being close to the leadership of Six Senses, their their, their vision for you know the future, particularly around sustainability as well as wellness, was was great and 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 well ahead of its time. So when the opportunity um, came about to uh, be part of a team that that purchased the company in, in, in 2012. It was really very compelling to me on a, on a personal level. It's always been very much a part of my own life and my own, um, my own ethos, if you like, while at Four Seasons Running Asia, I also looked after wellness for Four Seasons globally. So just, just that ability to be 
part of a brand that really believed in this, unlike many brands that talk about it, but it, it's not really part of their DNA. Um, this was very much a part of the DNA of the company and, and, and a huge motivation for me to be involved. Neil, let's go back a little bit. You said you had always been part of the sustainability and wellness movement. When you were a small boy, even younger than you are now, what did you want to be when you were grown up? <laughs> well, I, I think that I wanted to be a few things, including a pilot and a fireman, but I never really wanted to... Uh, uh, to be in the hotel business. It, it was never something that, that you know, re- reached out to me right in the beginning. I, I studied language. To me, it was, um, you know, part of, uh, of being able to use my languages. Uh, the hotel business seemed like a really good place to be that would allow me to travel and experience cultures and, and different people. And, and that was the big drive for me. I, 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 since an early age, I had this passion about seeing the world and, and, and living in different countries and, 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 and really immersing myself in, in cultures that... Uh, as, as a kid, were very, very distant. So but how that was really did, my big Okay, but Neil, how did wellness and sustainability come into all this? Presumably, well, as you were traveling around, you were uh, eating a lot, drinking a lot, having lots of friends, because you are renowned to be a very sociable person. Everybody yeah. loves you, Neil. How did sustainability and wellness come into this jigsaw? It, 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 it's been there for a long time. I, I mean, probably a long time, not, not as a kid, but since the 80s, it was just very clear to me that what we, what we were doing to the planet was not sustainable. So it started with very small steps. What could we do? You know, the use of plastic, you know, pr- preservation of natural resources. It was just part of, 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 of who I was and, and um, just something that always resonated with me and that I practiced personally and, and tried to bring into, in, into the workplace however, however I possibly could. So that was really the sustainability piece was there from an early age. I think the wellness part of it really started to resonate when I moved to, when I moved to Bali in, in the early 90s and really started to embrace kind of the Asian modalities of healing. And, and really, it whet my appetite to, to understand what was this all about, because it really was so alien to what we grew up with in Europe and certainly in the UK, and it was all considered a bit frou-frou. So it was really, it was really back then that I thought, okay, this is something I want to, I want to focus on. It, it, it touches me. It touches me personally. I'm really feeling it. So we started to develop some great spas, but really with an Asian, an Asian sense to them. But, and, and over the years, that grew, and it went from Asia to, well, India to China to South America to shamanic rituals to energy medicine to all kinds of modalities. And, and Six Senses really gave us that opportunity because, it, again, it was part of the, the DNA to really 
expand that, um, that, that narrative around wellness, which was just so joyful to us. And, and I was working with people that believed it. You know, unlike in the past where I felt I was kind of fighting uphill battles with some of the, the companies that I was associated with, at Six Senses, everyone's drunk the Kool-Aid. We all believe it. We all care about it. And it's absolutely part of our day-to-day DNA. And that is very rewarding on so many levels. It is surprising how barley has had an impact on so many people, hasn't it? Think of Chris Norton now at uh, Equinox, Uh, John O'Sullivan, who's gone into painting as well as hotel keeping. Barley has that effect. An inspiration leads other people to follow. And Six Senses has definitely done that and is doing it. How has the concept of six senses changed over the last five years do you think well i think certainly what 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 we've done is is we took a view that we wanted to be a global company and create a global footprint you know pre then um we were a southeast asian resort company so the goal was very much to take the group globally it was also to lose a little bit of the robinson crusoe piece of this and to although we believe inherently in in natural and organic we felt that you know after so many years that properties needed somewhat of a different design ethos. They needed to be a little more sophisticated for the type of rates that we were charging because the customer had changed from when from when the company had started. But still keeping it very natural and, and, and very organic, but just a little more refined. So we moved into that direction. Um, we we took a view that we wanted to do some urban hotels and that was really driven uh, a lot by wellness because we felt that what we were doing in the space was equally if perhaps not more relevant in an urban environment than perhaps it was in a in a resort environment so next year we look we launch our club in new york called six senses place which is a social club based on a platform of wellness that's going to be very exciting so that kind of reaches out to the communities that we find ourselves in uh, equally if not more so than just the hotel guests so how many clubs about connecting the dots mary how many clubs are you envisaging and are they all going to be in capital cities or might some of the clubs be in resort destinations neil I think for now, you know, it's, it's a really great question. For now, we've been looking at them relative to the urban hotels. So we're under development in New York, in London, um, you know, Rome, Lisbon. So places like that where we will be, we will be doing the club. We will be doing Six Senses Place. I was where, looking, Neil, if I can just interrupt a moment, I was looking at your beautiful uh, Istanbul mansion yeah. the other day, and that was as far removed from uh, Robinson Crusoe as it possibly yeah. could be. And uh, you say, yes, you have moved on from Robinson Crusoe. Obviously, there's a time and a place for everything, but yeah. you are much more realistic today. You are accepting 
that people need to live normal lives. They're not cranks. They are normal people who absorb sustainability, who absorb wellness and know that particularly right now, wellness is the key to everything. Well, I think I think people are more mindful of, 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 of what's going on. I think they're mindful of their behavior. They're mindful of how they interact and, and connect with people. I think in, in a very, very positive way. I, I always talk about how I think people are nicer and kinder than they were before, and, and that's, that's pretty heartwarming. Um, I, I think people are ready to travel again. I mean, there's, a, there's this huge pent-up demand that as soon as this thing starts to calm down and, and countries really open, we, I, I do believe we're going to see a huge boom in, in, in travel. And particularly in our segment, I, I, I think uh, it's huge. Well, you're in the part of the whole lifestyle arena that everybody wants to be part of and those who know it want to be part of it even more. You offer encouragement for physical, mental wellness, nutritional wellness, physical wellness. Think of the ability to climb trees, to go hiking, to go cycling. And then, of course, all the Ayurvedic and other sources that you do. Neil, looking ahead five years, what is your goal for Six Senses five years hence? Yeah, I think our goal is not that different to what it's been. I mean, we we will expand our footprint. We have a, a very, very robust pipeline that continues on, on, on an extremely global basis. You'll see a greater presence in the Americas, more in Europe um, and continuing in, in Asia. We'll do some more urban properties. We will launch our, our club concept, Six Senses uh, uh, Place, which will debut in New York next year. Um, and we will continue to develop content around wellness and sustainability. You know, we have a team at Six Senses that we call the WIT team, which means it stands for Wellness Innovation. And it's three or four people that are, are really there just to be ahead of the game and, and, and create content that really resonates um, with people around all aspects of wellness, whether it be, you know, the most recent things we've done are programming around energy medicine, uh, shamanic rituals. I mean, we have a wonderful, you know, non-invasive, anti-aging approach to to life kind of from the inside out. Uh, the food programs, the Eat With Six Senses will continue. So more of the same. That, you that are I think is relevant, more relevant than ever. You are so enthusiastic. I can see the creativity oozing from you. Let me run some ideas past you. Yes or no to all of them. How about Six Senses television? Um, yes or no? Television, yes. yes. Oh, good. When are we going to see it? Starring you? 
starring me, that I'm not so sure. We uh, we are, are in the process of hiring really superb digital people, and that is going to help us in our approach, kind of with with video and, and film and imagery as well. So stay tuned; it's coming. Okay, let me try some others. Six senses clothing. Yes, organic and eco. Absolutely. Oh, good. I can't wait. I want to look just like you. Six senses, gin, vodka, and other drinks. I believe you already have wine, right? We, we have wine. We have uh, six senses wine in a number of places, not everywhere, but in, certainly in the countries where there's, where there's wine growing. Um, gin and vodka, I'm not so sure. Uh, at the moment, no. Wine, yes. Obviously, nothing is past you. I want to thank you so much, Neil Jacobs, for your time. You make six senses and life fun. Thank you. I personally can't wait for your clubs, but then I can't wait for the other properties that you have coming up, and who knows where you'll be on the world map in a few years' time. You have everything that today's luxury traveler wants. Thank you, Neil. You came, by the way, from Four Seasons, and so too does my guest next week, Andrew Humphreys, who is acting CEO of Katara, based in Doha, but one of the biggest hotel owners, not only in the Middle East, but also in Europe. He oversees a portfolio of many of the most iconic properties from Bergenstock above Lucerne to Hotel Carlton Intercontinental in Cannes, the amazing peninsula in Paris, where he also has Buddha Bar Hotel and Royal Monceau Raffles. And then he's got presence in all the other key places that you can imagine. You will hear Andrew talking next week. I look forward to your joining me then. Thanks, Mary. Well, that wraps up this week's World Travel Essential, brought to you by SBM Monte Carlo, reinventing Monaco in a new chapter for the 21st century. We look forward to having you back same time next week.